Amen. All right. Good morning, church. Everybody nice and awake? No? At least someone's honest. Everybody else is like, I don't want to lie to pastors, so I'm just not going to say anything. Right? Nobody's, nobody's awake yet, but everybody's probably tired. How many of you all were dealing with water in your house uh, from the big storm this past week? Yeah, that's right. Some of you all had like lakes around your house. I, I preached on last Sunday. I mentioned how um, our, our sewage, the sump pump will push into the sewage and then sometimes it gets backed up. Well, sure enough, it happened to do it on Monday and it wasn't that bad, but I got a text from Brother Gus uh, that like really encouraged me because he was checking in on me. I think I had uh, a couple other people checking on me, but when I got Gus's text message, I, I had just finished like snaking out like that drain and I was like, man, that feels good. I wish he would have texted me an hour ago and I would have had him come do it for me. Um, I wouldn't have done that to you, Gus. That was a, not too bad of a situation, but it's a messy situation nonetheless. But um, yeah, it's a crazy week. It, it definitely kept everybody busy. I know some people are still dealing with these problems, but I was reminded uh, that it, the flood can't get too much worse, right? We've got a promise that uh, not the whole world will be flooded again, right? That, that will not happen, so uh, that was good. Uh, church, we're continuing in our series, though, today, speaking of water, going through the book of Jonah. The series is titled, Taken by Grace, because when we step back and we look at it, especially today, is that Jonah was experiencing the grace and the goodness of God in a way that was just indescribable. Even to our, ourselves, we, we look at Jonah and we see, like we talked about last week, is Jonah was living in rebellion to God. And that we, too, often live in rebellion. Had this story not been written down, we would have never thought of Jonah as a prophet being rebellious. But we get this story where in chapter 1 it tells us that, that Jonah fled, didn't want to go to Nineveh, he fled to Tarshish to flee from the presence of the Lord. That was how bad he did not want to go to Tarshish to share the good news. He, he, he was called to go and to rebuke them, and to tell them that the way that they were going was against the Lord, and they were going to face God's wrath and judgment. But he didn't want to go and tell them that. He wanted to flee from the presence of the Lord. So kiddos, you're going you're gonna to get a lesson on your level. Now, if, if you all don't already have your headphones in, you can feel free to. Parents, you can... Um, forego the video and, and make your kids listen to me the whole time, that's fine. Uh, you can wait until later on and, and let them watch, you know, once I get an hour and a half into the message, maybe that's a good time to, to start their, their video, whatever you decide to do, but you can find that on our Facebook page, and we do have a lesson on their level going through the same thing, talking about the same points, so that we can help you guys begin to have gospel conversations at home. We're going to be in Jonah 1, verses 7 through 17 this morning in this series taken by grace so last week we went through the first six verses and as you're turning there i'll just kind of give you a little bit more of a recap so jonah's given this this task by god it was a command last last week we talked about it being like a request but i made sure to clarify that we knew that it was a command jonah took it as a request because he didn't feel like it was necessary for him to do it he was just going to flee from god and live in rebellion so he, he takes this, um, this olden day Uber, he finds these, these mariners, and he says, I'll pay the fare, I'll get on the ship, and just flee far, far away from the presence of the Lord, far, far away from Tarshish, or from Nineveh, to go to Tarshish. 
But the Lord, it said, hurled a great wind on the sea, so they get caught up in the storm, and these mariners are throwing cargo over so that their boat doesn't break in half and go under, sinking. And then Jonah's found where? Sleeping. At the bottom of the boat, sleeping. He's just chilling. So then we see here, picking up in verse 7, what, what begins to happen, because these mariners are worried. They're calling out to, to all the gods that they can, each of their gods. And the captain, in verse 6 is really where we'll go ahead and start. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. In verse 7, And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? What, and where did you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is it that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. Uh, tempestuous, he said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea, then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Church, that's God's word for us this morning. Let's be in an attitude of prayer. Father, as we continue to, to dive into your word this morning, God, specifically this text, I pray that you would, you would work out this idea that this is just some mystical fairy tale story. God, that we would not just remove the, the true meaning and the historical facts of this story. But God, we would see the need to be changed by looking at what you did through Jonah. God, in the obedience that you've called us to today, I pray that we would see the need to live obedient lives. God, living in fear and awe and wonder of you, our God, the creator of all things. And I pray that Jonah's story would not just be a fairy tale story, but a, a true, good historical story, God, that you've used, you've written down for our good and for your glory, God, that we too would live in awe and wonder of who you are, being obedient to your word. Father, we love you and we praise you and just ask that you would just move this morning, stir up in our hearts. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So the main point for us this morning, church, is fear the Creator, 
not the created. Fear the creator, not the created. We know about fear, right? But we talk about fear, but we're getting ready to enter into spooky season. We've got some folks that like to, to go to those, those crazy corn mazes and, um, and, and just kind of get that little bit of a fear factor. They like to be like jumpy. Like I'm on edge all the time. Like Aubrey was like printing something. We've got our printer on the ground right now. And she was like kind of behind the table and I was like walking in and it just felt like wrong. And like, I like jumped, right? It just scared me. Um, I'm just super jumpy. So things like that like, don't really, really excite me. If, if I ever watch like, a scary movie with you, it's with a blanket in front of my face. I'm just, I like it, but I don't. Um, and this idea of, of fear of God, we get this like, jumpy feeling. We get this like, fear factor feeling. We get this like, like something is like, going like, to shoot us down, like the Bruce Almighty movie, and like, don't smite me, almighty smiter, and like, we're just afraid all the time. But we have to have a, a healthy understanding of what this fear is. So like, I... I do not want Maylee to like fear me like there's going to be a backhand like anytime she says something, right? I don't want her to like, I went back to Buckler one time and it was like maybe after her first like time getting like SWAT and she flinched and I'm like, I don't like like that, right? Like I don't want my daughter to like live in that kind of fear, like to be scared all the time. But I do want her to understand my distaste for the things that she shouldn't be doing. And I want her to know that there are repercussions for her actions, and that's why in the Meadows House, we, we change the way that we discipline, depending on, on what happened, depending on that season of life. I've told you all before that, that Maylee didn't really go through a time, like there was this time where she just wasn't responding to anything else. And I said, if you do that again, I'm taking away your Cinderella dress. And immediately, like, straightened up and, like, that worked at that time. But, like, I, I need her to know that there's repercussions for her actions, right? There's this idea of healthy fear that the Bible talks about. Let me talk about this fear um, for Christians. We are to fear God in the sense that we are to, to, to be in reverence of who He is, to, to be in awe and wonder, knowing that He is the God of all creation. He's created all things. He is all good. He is our God who sits on high, who will judge all things, right? And that He sent His Son to die for those who were not worthy, to make them worthy by the blood of Jesus, to redeem them according to His good will. We live in awe and wonder of that as believers. We don't walk through life living in fear of being smited down. Eternal judgment has been cast away from us by the blood of Jesus. Now, we do not want to do things contrary to God's Word. We do have this, this sense of fear that we know that all things will be exposed. But we live in awe and wonder and reverence of who God is. Now, fear for the non-believing person, fear for the person who doesn't believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, there is a fear for life. Now, there's, there's two different fears, and the Bible talks about this. Now, for someone who doesn't believe the gospel, there is fear of eternal judgment and separation and damnation if they do not believe the gospel. So those are the two things. So we, church, we are to fear the Creator, not the created. Because, we got three supporting points this morning, because God is God of the people, the product, and the purpose. Okay? God is God of the people, of the product, and of the purpose. First point, God of the people. It says here, they said to one another, come let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots 
and the lot fell on Jonah. They gather together. They want to figure this out, right? They're, they're going about their, their day, and then the storm comes about. And then this man is just down in, in, in the bottom of the boat, and he's sleeping. While they're, like, they're throwing out their cargo, right? Jonah had no tie to, to any of that stuff, right? They're just throwing it off because they need to get out of this storm. They need to get out of this mess. They need to survive. So they gather together in verse 7 to figure out who brought this upon them. Notice, they're going to cast lots. Jonah knows what's going on. He's still living in rebellion. Why didn't he just speak up and say, it was me? Jonah knew he's a prophet. He knew God had told him to do something. He knew, like we know, that you cannot run from God's plan because God's plan, like we talked about last week, is greater than our own, and we are to follow it. I even think back to to the, the unsettling feeling that was, that was stirring up inside of me four or five years back in 2014 as I began to, to come up to northeast Ohio and visit my wife's family. And I was like, man, I feel like God's calling us up here. And I kept telling myself, you're not going to be a full-time pastor. You're never going to be a church planter. You're just going to make a ton of money in, in corporate America. And that's going to be good. You'll be able to support the church that way. And the more I kept telling myself that, the more uncomfortable I began feeling, the more the more sinful it felt for me to keep running from God's plan. And this is what has finally happened, is Jonah cannot run any further. There's no other boat that he can jump on. There's no life vest good enough. The storm is upon him, and they're about to find out that it is his fault. So they decide to cast lots. Now we have ideas of what casting lots is. Casting lots, I don't know if you know church, but is mentioned, casting lots is mentioned 70 times in the Old Testament, but little to nothing is known about the lots themselves. It could have been like dice, could have had to do with, with sticks. Modern day, today, it'd be like flipping a coin, or, or uh, I'll get some of your phones going off here in a second, like saying, hey Siri, flip a coin, right? That's how we flip coins now, and like you can't do that at all. You can't say like, "Hey Siri, give me a quarter," and like you're able to get out. But you can tell her, "Hey, hey Siri, heads or tails," and she'll tell you heads or tails. So that's kind of the idea of what lots would be. It was it was kind of like a a guessing game, but the world then used it to determine the will of God. We read about it in the Old Testament. It was usually a way that they would find out what exactly God wanted from them. People held this practice as a way of determining the will of God, and even pagans recognized this practice as something supernatural. So here in this moment, they're like, what are we going to do? What are we going to turn to? How are we going to figure out what is going on? Let's cast lots and figure out whose fault this is. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and of what people are you? So they inquire to Jonah. They want to figure out what exactly has gone on. What could Jonah have done that was so bad to put them in the face of death, right? They're facing their death before them, right? Their life is just coming to an end, and they know that there is no way that they are going to make it back. They understand that this situation has, has reached a, a, a point of turmoil that they cannot recover. They don't know Jonah. There's no, no information for us to believe that they had any prior knowledge of Jonah. It says that he paid the fare and he gets on this boat with these mariners. 
They don't know him. The lot fell on him. Who are you? Where are you from? What is your occupation? Now, these questions they're asking would have given them a good idea of what exactly brought this upon them. By, by asking what people... Like back in my, my neighborhood, if something was, was broken, like a broken window... I remember I broke a window one time. I've probably told you guys this story. It's like, I've, the more I say it, the more I feel like I'm like set free. So, <sighs> it's like the one like lie. Like I think I told my dad when like I like finally hit like age and like I knew I couldn't be beaten. Um, I was like, yeah, like dad, by the way, it wasn't um, the Crameen's family that broke it. It was the Meadows family. And he's like, I don't know another Meadows on the street. And I'm like, yeah, me either. I like, like waited and he's like, you broke Mr. Walton's window. But like the thing is, is, I remember Mr. Walton coming out when we broke the window. It actually would have been a day later because we booked it that day. You see anybody playing around here? Like, like who would have done it? And like you throw out a name, and there's like some names that you don't even have to go and investigate. You say like, ah, it was this family. And Mr. Walton's like, done deal. Doesn't even have to investigate. He knows that those kids are known for doing this. So they find out, they, they ask Jonah this question, and if he said he was of a certain people group, they could have known that they were thieves and that this was a way of God's judgment on them. It was a way of, of like bad juju or karma coming back on them. It was God's judgment upon them. It was His wrath upon them. But Jonah had an answer that they really weren't ready for. And he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea, in the dry land. Jonah tells them exactly who he is and what he does and where he's from. All in one thing. He is a part of God's people. I'm Hebrew. Alright. Ethnicity. Gives a little bit of background. And I fear the Lord. Religiously, they know where he's from. They understand who his God is. And he says, who made the sea and the dry land. Jonah has a reverence for the Lord. Even though he's living in rebellion, running from the presence of the Lord, he has a reverence for who God is, what he has done, and what he will do. And they hear this, and what do they do? Then the men were exceedingly afraid. And they said to him, what is it that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he told them. They knew, Jonah at some point had told them, God has had me do something and I ran from the presence of the Lord. I'm leaving. The reason you guys picked me up on the boat and are taking me to Tarshish is because I'm fleeing from God. Church, God is the God of people. Of all people. There's a general connection that we were all made in the image of God. But this stood out to them because this was one of God's people. One of His chosen people. A prophet called to deliver His Word. And He's not doing it. They are afraid. They are fearful for their life. Because if God would, would put one of His people in harm's way to, to draw them back to Himself, what would He do to these pagan mariners? 
Church, our, our fear is for the Creator, not the created. Notice, their eyes are not on the storm anymore. Their eyes are on the God of the storm. The one who's in control of the wind and the waves that are sending them every which way. Because church, God is also the God of the product. Everything created. This is point number two. Everything created. Jonah says it there. The, the um, God of the heaven who made the sea and the dry land. He is the God of all things. The creator of all things. All things are under his control. His dominion, right? He is the God of the product. And they know this. So that's why their question here, because the, the, the storm is growing more and more. What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down? What shall we do that the sea would, would just chill out for a bit and quit sending waves capsizing, right? What can we do to make this storm stop? And Jonah says to them, he says, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Jonah is still so stuck on not going to Nineveh that he would rather be thrown overboard. It becomes hypothetical at this point because we're not given many options here of what Jonah could have done. But I do know that God called him to go to Nineveh to deliver to them the word that they were living under God's judgment and would be judged, and he does not offer to go back. He says that this storm will calm down if you throw me over because this is my fault. It is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. The passage that Michelle read earlier, I want to read again for us, just a piece of it. Psalm 33, verses 5-8, through 8, He loves righteousness and justice, the earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in shorehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Church, we are to fear the Creator and not the created because He is God of the people and He is God of the product. That everything around us points us to the God of all creation. The one true triune God. And even the mariners here, they know Jonah, a prophet, has just delivered to them what they must do to be saved. And they choose against it. They choose against God. What does it say? He tells them, nevertheless, the men rode harder. I watch uh, a lot of YouTube videos, specifically tornadoes. After the tornado happened, it got me back in my tornado kick. Tornadoes and sharks. Um, 
and then uh, a few other like uh, kids getting hit by exercise balls. Um, those three videos often circulate um, fell videos and, and those. So anyways, the storm chasing one though is the one I wanted to talk about, not uh, fell videos. And it could become a fell video, I guess. It could be bad. But it always amazes me when people are chasing these big storms, right? And my thing is like, when you watch the video and these guys immediately turn the car around, you're like, it's about to be a great chase. And they're actually getting chased by the storm. And they're just driving as fast as they can. And like, I'm always like, oh, they're going to hydroplane. It's like the biggest moment of anxiety for me is like, I'm watching them fly down these like two lane roads in, in Kansas and like out in the West. And I'm like, they're either going to wreck or this tornado is going to catch them. One of the two is going to happen. They always make it out. And I'm like, always so impressed. I'm like, whoo, that was awesome, right? That was sweet. And then the Mariners here, they feel like they're storm chasers as far as like the storm is chasing them and they're going to run away somehow. It says they could not because the storm grew more and more. See, their, their fear was not in the storm. The storm was going to keep them from going where they needed to, but it was all going to be because of God who is in control, the Creator, not the created. These men were fearing for their lives, not because of the storm, but because of the God of the storm. Because God is also God of the purpose, point number three, because God had a purpose where He was going to get Jonah to go and to deliver His word to the people of Nineveh. They knew it. They knew God was doing something. They knew. It says, Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. This was God's will. This was not their own. Jonah thought he's about to get thrown over the boat and not have to go to the people of Nineveh. Woohoo! I don't have to go. These guys are going to throw me over and I will spare their lives. And they felt like they were doing something wrong. This is one of God's people. I don't know if you all know, but when there's attack on God's people, particularly in the Old Testament, it didn't turn out too well for the enemy. But what did they do? They obeyed the God of the storm because he is the God of the purpose. Verse 15, they picked Jonah up and they hurled him into the sea and the sea ceased from its raging. Then they feared the Lord exceedingly. They see that their fear should be set on the Creator and not the created because He is the God of the people, the product, and the purpose. They see this. They're eyewitnesses of the goodness of God, of the power of God. Then they feared the Lord exceedingly and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Jonah was a sacrifice, but what this shows us is they feared the Lord so much. They were in so much reverence and awe and wonder of the God of all creation that they, they were in fear and gave a sacrifice afterward. Jonah's off the boat. The storm has ceased. It's almost like a, a, an offering of thanksgiving. And they made vows. Now, we don't know if they were saved. We don't know if they, they became believers. But they saw the work of God. They saw the hand of God. And they knew that their fear was to be on the Creator, not the created. Listen to this. God is a God, the God of purpose. 
We have a sovereign God who's in control. He doesn't look at our mess and our situation and think like, I do not know what I'm going to do to get them out of that, right? I don't know what I'm going to do. No. Jonah thinks he's done, but he forgets that God's the God of the purpose. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now think about this. This is a picture we get of, of Jesus, right? A picture. Jonah is not Jesus. Jonah is not, a, not the Messiah. But this is a picture that we get. That Jonah sacrificed his life so that the many would be saved. That the mariners on the boat, they were in fear. They were in trouble, right? Their situation was going to drown them. So Jonah becomes the sacrifice. Not a perfect sacrifice by any means. But he becomes a sacrifice. And they're saved from the storm. Jonah thinks he's done. And God sends, he appoints this fish, which there are fish big enough to swallow you. I've caught a couple, right? I don't know if you all have ever heard of fishing stories. I don't tell fishing stories or tales, right? I've caught fish big enough to swallow my pinky. I swear I have. This fish swallowed Jonah. And church, we believe this to be true. We believe that these things happened. I'll just say this. I've, I've said it enough. If we believe that, that God can create all things, speak all things into existence, that he can, he can save wretched sinners like ourselves, like myself, why can't the God of all creation, the God of the people, the product, and the purpose, not use a fish to swallow up one of his people to accomplish his purpose? He can and he did. And the Lord appointed this great fish to swallow up Jonah. You see, Jonah had been running. Jonah wasn't living in, in fear of, of the storm. Jonah wasn't living in, in fear of the repercussions. He was living and running in fear of his Creator who was coming for him. And he knew this. He knew this. Little did he know even what, what Paul writes to us later when he writes to the church of Philippi. In Philippians you read, to die is Christ, to live, or to die is gain, to live is Christ. That we too, church, we can be gone from this world and, and away from the pain and away from the responsibility of going to share, but to live right here and right now is the obedient call that Christ has laid on our life. We can run from these things. But that is not a healthy fear of God. That is not an obedient life. Romans, Paul talks about to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Living is not dead, church. Amen? Amen. I hope we can agree on that. If you are alive, you are not dead. If you are dead, you are not alive. He says to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, which holy and acceptable to the Lord, which is your spiritual worship. We, church, need to live and, and show the world that we live in fear of the Creator and not the created. Nelson, can you go ahead and come back up your brother? Church, we need to begin to think about this. Let me talk to... If you're a believer in the Gospel... Let me talk to you for a minute. How does your life show others that we live in fear of the Creator and not the created? Do we live in so much fear of, of death 
that people think that we have no hope for an eternity? Do we continue to live as if there is no fear of judgment? Maybe we live as if there's, there's hope. A lot of people are hopeful for a future, but don't live for God. But those who, who understand the hope that we've been given through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone will live obediently to his word, will bear fruit because of the spirit that lives inside of us. Church, how do we, how do we live in awe and wonder of who God is? See, I know that we run a lot. We run from the storm. We run from the God of the storm. We run from our current situations. We run from the calling that God has placed on our life. But it's because we're ignoring God, not fearing Him, living in healthy reverence for who He is, what He can do, what He's done, and what He will do. Now, if you're a non-believer here today, there's this fear that is very real and prevalent in your life right now that if you died today, that you would be separated forever, living in eternal judgment. Not dead and gone. Very much alive in a very dark place called hell. A place that no one should want to be. But we go there because we live in rebellion and we'll take it to our grave, but then we live separated. Let me tell you right now that that fear of God needs to become a healthy fear of reverence and awe and wonder of who He is. You need to accept the good news of Jesus Christ. You need to understand that, that Jesus, unlike Jonah, was perfect. That we, in this life, we, we are not on a boat that's in trouble. We are already dead spiritually if we do not know Christ. We are at the bottom of the raging sea. And we need to find that life in Him and pray that He would come into our life, that we would believe in the Gospel, we would confess that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and that God the Father raised Him from the grave. If you believe that, you'll be saved. And then we have no reason then, church, to live in fear, but as believers in awe and wonder of the mighty God that we are called to serve. Church, if you would, go ahead and stand up. We're going to sing another song this morning, and I want us to think about that. I want us to reflect on that, that God is the God of all creation. He's the God of the people, the product, and the purpose. And the song we're going to sing is, is All Creatures. And I want us to just think about that. Where is our life today? Are we living in, in fear of being struck down? Do we know God? If so, do we live in awe and wonder of His goodness? Father, we, we lift up a joyful noise to you this morning as we get ready to sing one last song, and I pray that you would just work on our hearts and our minds and, and hopefully in turn in our life. God, that we would go and we would bear fruit because of the Spirit that lives inside of you. God, that our rebellion would die at the cross. And that our spirit would be made alive because of you. That we'd be sanctified according to your word, to live and to be holy as you are holy. God, and I pray that you would just take this offering of, of, of us praising you and singing to you. God, that you would receive it. God, I pray that you would, you would take the offering today of, of our resources. God, as we give our tithes and offerings, and that you would multiply it for our good and for your glory. God, that in every bit of our life, we would be obedient 
living in awe and wonder, not in fear, that we wouldn't give to you out of fear. We wouldn't give our time. We wouldn't give our money. We wouldn't give our life and our words and our breath out of an unhealthy fear of you, but out of awe and wonder of who you are. You are gracious. You are rich in mercy. And I pray that we would reflect on these things this week. I pray that you would just be with us as we go forth to be a light in the darkness and to push back this darkness that is here in our town. God, that you would save sinners and sanctify saints. Father, we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.